0: Praise the Lord, everybody, come on, clap those hands and let's thank the Lord for our great nation today. And now let's clap our hands for Jamie and the praise team and Aaron. I could listen to that all day long. Let's remain standing just for a moment for the reading of God's word. We're going to get right into it momentarily. As you guys know, I talk to pastors all the time. And this week, four different pastors told me as churches began to open back up in our nation, most of them are experiencing about a 30% return uh, of people into their churches. That's the average, about 30%. Um, for many different reasons. We're, we're very thankful here at Quest Church that our average has been about 40 to 45%. So we're grateful for all the people that are coming back. But we understand those. We were, I was receiving texts right here um, from people that are staying home and watching online. And we understand and we bless you. We just thank you. You're part of the family. All the people in the building, clap your hands and let them know how much you appreciate them. <laughs> Needless to say, this is a very... Unique and strange time we're living in. Can you imagine being in California today, and your governor telling you you can't sing in church? Now that's one I would—I—I I, I, I just wouldn't do that. I—I I would have to sing. But it's an interesting time. Um, let's remain in prayer. Be vigilant about your prayer life. Can you say amen to that? Because I do believe something great is in our future. I'm going to get right into the word of the Lord. I'm just looking forward to getting back to having men's meetings, classes, women's meetings, all those things. And it's coming very soon. But help us navigate. Be patient with us as we navigate through this season. Things still change every day. It's like every day there's a new Not just recommendation, but some new regulation that is laid out there. But we're going to make it to the other side. I'm full of hope today. Anyone else? How's your faith level today? Let me ask you this. If you love Jesus with all of your heart, anybody love Jesus with all your heart? Are you glad you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and ever-burning fire? Tell your neighbor neighbor, right now, can't nobody do you like Jesus can do you. I'm going to read two passages of scripture, and we're going to get right into the word as you remain standing. First of all, we're going to go to Psalm 33 and verse 12, and then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. Psalm 33 and verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, Did God Have a Plan for America? Just say that to a few folks around you. Ask that question. Did God have a plan for America? And now let us pray. Father, I thank you for every person that is at home today today watching online and I speak your blessing right there in their living room or bedroom or kitchen, wherever they may be for that person that is in the hospital watching today. We pray healing over them in the name of Jesus. I pray for the people in this building today that they would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this crucial and critical hour. We thank you for a prophetic anointing. Thank you for apostolic announcements going forward in this building today. Thank you that the yoke is broke today by the anointing of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, we lift our hands and we say, have your way. We just want to follow suit with you. And we're going to be careful to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in the name of Jesus. Every generational curse is now broken in Jesus' name. Every generational spirit is dismissed in Jesus' name. One more time, clap your hands, throw your head back, open your mouth, and shout to God with a voice of triumph. That's what the Bible says to do. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Before you sit down, look at your neighbor and tell him it's on in the building right now. And then you may be seated. Yesterday, we celebrated yet another birthday for our nation. I read that in 1787, a Scottish professor, a historian, wrote these words. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations from the beginning of history has been about 200 years. Listen very carefully. During these 200 years, these nations always progress through the following sequence. They move from bondage to spiritual faith. Then from spiritual faith to great courage. And then they move from courage to liberty. Then they move from liberty to abundance. Then they move from abundance to complacency. Then they move from complacency to apathy. They move from apathy to dependence. And then they move finally from dependence back to bondage. That's a vicious cycle. And he says it happens in the first 200 years. What is it, 244 years now? We have been celebrating Independence Day. The question is, has our time come? Did you ever dream in the largest part of your imagination that churches would not be singing God's praise in California today? Did you ever dream anywhere in your mind that you would see the violence in our streets that you see today? We are all concerned for the welfare of our nation. I said it before and I'll say it again. We are a nation at war. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said the United States of America will never be destroyed from without. The only way it will ever be destroyed is from within. I've said this before in this building, but I feel it important to say it again. In this nation, music has never been so vile. Movies have never been so violent. The mood of the people has never been this mean. The manners of children have never been this bad. The madness of society has never been so evident. And the meandering of a generation has never been so apparent. I'm going to talk to you about three things today. Number one is foundations. Number two is, how did we so easily forget? And number three is, the forecasting of a bright future. Foundations. Harry Truman said these words, five powerful, poignant words. This is a Christian nation. Franklin D. Roosevelt said these words, the United States is founded on the principles Of nothing else other than Christianity. Psalm 11, verse 3 says If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What are foundations? Specifically in Psalm 11 and verse 3 in the Hebrew, the word foundations means this the support system or the purpose and principle of the thing. Foundation means the objective or the basis, but it also means this and don't forget this the moral support. Say those two words. Moral support. So if the basis be destroyed, what is that? The basis, the foundation, the reason for existence, the objective, the impetus, or the intention be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Noah Webster said these words, the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and laws. All the miseries and all the evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts Contained in the Bible. The Declaration of Independence. The Bill of Rights. The U.S. Constitution. All contain many phrases. That find their foundation. In the first five books of the Bible. Referred to as the Pentateuch. Now you can sit here and argue with me today about the lifestyle of our framers, our founding fathers. I'm not here to give vent about my frustration of what I see going on in the nation. But before we touch the bearish of anything, you must understand that before you start complaining about any foundation, you must find your first complaint in the foundation of humanity. Sin did not begin in 1776. Sin began in Genesis chapter number three. From the beginning of time, we have been dealing with dysfunction. We have been dealing with fault lines. This is nothing new to humanity. We are full of fault, full of bent ways and propensities. Humanity in itself is full of hatred and bitterness, envy and strife. That is called the deeds of the flesh. Hmm. We are still known throughout the world as a Christian nation. I asked you before, is America a Christian nation or is America a nation that has Christians in it? 2015, the survey was taken, and 75% of this nation identified themselves with Christianity. That's not a bad percentage. In 2019, that percentage slipped down to 65%. That's a decline of 10% in five short years or in four short years, 10%. Protestants are no longer the fastest growing religion in America. That should shock you. As a matter of fact, the fastest growing sect in America in relation to religion is a group called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. 29% of this country refer to themselves as nuns. That's staggering to me. They believe in nothing in particular. They include atheists and agnostics. In case you're wondering what that is, that is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known about the existence or the nature of God. That's staggering that it is the fastest growing sect in America. That's where you get organizations like Antifa. I'll let that rest. One of the most common reasons that this generation has turned that direction is because of the opposition to the positions taken by churches, listen carefully, on social issues. They do not appreciate the fact that the church refuses to address such things as poverty, abortion, teenage depression, And more than anything, because the church refuses to address racism. They look at the church as if we are afraid to address these issues. Because we don't want to lose membership. And we certainly don't want to lose that money. My Bible says if the foundations be destroyed. See, this generation believes that the church is irrelevant. We just exist not to make a difference, but to build social clubs, to build country clubs where we can hang out and sing, but we're not interested in making impact in the nation based on our convictions, and based on our doctrines. I'm going to go ahead and preach. If the foundations be destroyed, what does it mean destroyed in the Hebrew? If the foundations get beat down, or if the foundations are pulled down into pieces, if the foundations are overthrown, if the foundations are overthrown, what shall the righteous do? I'll say it again. If the foundations are overthrown, what shall the righteous do? If the foundations are plucked down, ruined, or thrown down, what shall the righteous do? What shall the righteous do when you take prayer out of school? What shall the righteous do when you take the Bible out the library? What shall the righteous do when you take the Ten Commandments out of courthouses? What shall the righteous do when all these things are being overthrown? Hmm. What shall the righteous do? So I'm watching all these statues being torn down. And now the threatening of tearing down statues of Jesus. And I'm listening to Christians. Christians. And I'm watching them be irate and how dare you, how dare you touch that I'm listening to you and I'm watching you and I'm pretty amazed that you would be so mad that you're losing monuments and memorials and you ain't said nothing about losing morals. We said nothing about morals being destroyed but we are really mad that the monuments and the memorials are being pulled down. And I really believe it's high time for us to go to our bathroom, look in our mirror and say how is my heart doing in reference to morality? How can you be so mad? about them pulling down statues, but yet you have no problem gossiping about your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have no problem shaking your pastor's hand while you're stabbing him in the back. You have no problem with committing adultery in the church, preaching behind a pulpit, and sleeping with your church member. You have no problem. All that is excusable, but you mad because Robert E. Lee was pulled down? We are being beguiled. This is a deception. This is a deception. It's a trick. We're being baited to look at stuff that's so apparent. And we are ignoring what really matters. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, help me God. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm sorry, y'all. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, there's one foundation that stands sure. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. The foundation of God has this seal that the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of the Lord depart. Don't lose me now. Depart from personal iniquity. The foundation of the Lord stands sure. And this is what it says The Lord knows his own. And let his own depart from iniquity. What shall the right. Who are the righteous? Who are they? They're the just. Before you think you're so righteous, let me help you. The only way you can declare yourself righteous is not that you're so perfect, but that you treat people fairly. That's a righteous person. The deepest etymology in the Hebrew language of righteous has to do with justice, not judgment. It has to do with loving your neighbor as you love yourself. What shall the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed? See, we got a bad problem. We have spiritual amnesia. Now, I'm going to preach like you like it. All right? I'm going to preach like you like it even if you don't like it. Forgetting happens when reminding stops. Simple and profound. Forgetting happens when reminding stops. The book of Judges chapter 2 tells us of a generation in verse 10, that that generation had been gathered to their ancestors. They had passed off the scene. And another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what the Lord had done. They didn't know God and they didn't know what God had done for his people. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. My question to you this morning is why? Why do people forget God? How does this happen? Help me, Jesus. I found the answer. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 15. But Jeshurun, let me tell you what Jeshurun means. The upright or the righteous. Those who are pleasant and prosperous. Specifically, Jeshurun means the people of God. The people of God waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxing fat You are grown thick. You are covered with fatness. Then Jeshurun, the people of God, forsook God, which made him. And they lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. Did I just lose you? What I just told you is, when the people of God got fat with prosperity, we got fat with wealth. We got satisfied with earthly things. We soon forgot the rock of our salvation. We lightly esteemed him. Hmm. When you reject it, you remit it. Help me, Lord. You cast it off. Many times it's in our prosperity that we forget who blessed us. And many of you mistake blessing for prosperity. I know a man that just wrote a book called The Blessing. And when you buy the book, you're going to understand that prosperity does not always mean blessing. You see a man making a lot of money not serving God and you say he's blessed, that's a lie. That simply means he worked principles and he was diligent to the discipline Of plowing his field. And he reaped what he sowed. Which was money. And you call him blessed. That don't mean he's blessed. That just means he's prosperous. Proverbs 30 warns us. In verse 7. Two things have I required of you. Deny me not them before I die. Listen to the prayer. Remove far from me the vanity and lie. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is convenient for me, lest I be full and deny you. And then I'll say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal, and take the name of God in vain. Have you had enough yet? Because I'm not done with spiritual amnesia. Psalm 106, verse 8, nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake. For whose namesake? For America's namesake? I better stop. I better stop because some of you have mixed up American and Christian. You're prouder to say you are American than you are Christian. What will you do, Mr. American? If tribulation really does show up in this nation, what will you do when persecution really hits this nation? Will you be screaming, I'm an American. I don't deserve this. Why do Americans get on planes and fly to foreign countries and expect special treatment? Because we're American. Getting quiet now in the building. And we're more proud of the U.S.A than we are the holy bible we're more proud to say we're an American than we are to say we are blood bought sanctified born again Christians let me help you there are blood bought sanctified born again Christians that are eating bread crumbs in Haiti you are no better than them you're Christians first if you're an American before you are a Christian, you have twisted faith and twisted loyalty. He saved them from the hand of him that hated them. He redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. None of them were left. Then, then they believed his words and they started singing his praise. Watch what the next verse says. Psalm 106 verse 13. We're now we're delivered. We believe in his words. We're singing his praise and then verse 13 hits. They soon forgot his works. They would not wait for his counsel. But they lusted exceedingly and tempted God in the desert. Watch this. And God gave them their request. And he sent leanness of soul. Welcome to America, the most prosperous nation in the world, and our soul is lean. Lean is the opposite of fat. is always symbolic of feeble in scripture leanness is feeble we're strong in material and weak in matter we're strong when it comes to our flag and we weak when it comes to the cross We forgot because we refused to remind. I'm going to go ahead and walk in it. Your problem did not start at your schoolhouse. It did not start at your white house. Your problem started in your house, America. It started in your house. We celebrate freedom And act like freedom doesn't have a responsibility. You're not free to be free. You're free to be responsible. He that the son sets free is free indeed. Free indeed to do what? To live by the principles of the kingdom. A river without boundaries causes floods. We have forgotten the responsibility that comes to our freedom until the Israelites could say to the Pharaoh, let us go, not just to let us go, but let us go so that we can go sacrifice to our God and worship him. Why are you free? To say you're free? No, you are free to say that Jesus is Lord and you're ready to worship and sacrifice to him. But... Somehow, we danced our way through the Bible and skipped right over Psalm 78. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from the past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us, Randy. Do you remember when Daddy and David Young would sit at the table and we were little boys and they would talk about picking cotton in Mississippi and they would talk about the depression and we would sit there on our knees with our mouths open and our eyes big as silver dollars because we could not believe the stories that they were telling and how that they had to leave school in the third grade in order to pick cotton, in order to feed their sisters, in order to take care of their families. And we would sit there in awe at the stories these men would tell. And this is what this is saying. We heard the stories that our ancestors passed down. Verse 4 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord about his power and his mighty works. Are your children hearing you at the dinner table tell more stories about them being upset with their pastor than they are about how God has blessed you in every area of your life? What are your children listening to? He issued laws to Jacob, gave instructions to Israel. He commanded the fathers to teach the children so that the next generation might know the same principles. Even the children that are not even born yet. And they in turn will teach their children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Not forgetting not forgetting his glorious miracles and not forgetting to obey his commands, then they will not be like their fathers, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Have we forgotten? You will never convince me that it is an educational systems problem that we see in this generation. No, no, you won't. No, you won't. You'll never convince me that the White House is the reason we're seeing the problems we're seeing now. Nope, you'll never convince me. Because if the church would have been doing its job, and if the church would have been actively involved in Psalm 78, we would have generation after generation. This thing's supposed to multiply. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory and faith to faith. Why are we declining? Because we're not adhering to the principles of God's word. We're not taking care of business at home. You're not casting devils out your kids' bedrooms. You're not getting their smart devices out of their hand to see what they've been watching. You don't know what they're participating in on Snapchat because you don't care. And if this nation ever started caring again, when we got actively involved in our children's lives, then we would be be raising generation after generation that would be obeying God's commands and remembering his miracles. But you would rather sit around your house and talk about everything that's wrong with everybody then sit there and recite and rehearse the promises and the prophecies of God Almighty. I ain't going to get no help, but I'm going to preach it like it, like it, even if you don't like it. You're wondering why homosexuality is taking over this nation? Because you've not taught your son don't walk like that. You can't dress like that. You can't look like that. Okay, I better stop because I felt my foot just go up on the soapbox. Let me take it back down. So the big question is, ever since we have such a foundation problem and ever since we have a problem of forgetting spiritual amnesia, the big question is, is there any hope? Well, if you read what I've read over the last week from theologians and prophets, not from America. You need to get a hold to some prophets from some other nations. I'm going to tell you again, because you are American does not mean you Christian. I want to hear what the prophets in Trinidad are saying. What are the prophets in Malaysia saying? If you read what they're saying, I promise you you would be very concerned about the future of your nation. Hmm. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, hmm. whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Proverbs 14:34 Righteousness righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people where's the hope where's the hope for america where's the hope is it in another civil rights leader is that where the hope is is the hope in your election in november is that where your hope is where's the hope where's the hope where is the hope we were just having this discussion the other day. What if Trump gets reelected? Brr. What if Biden gets elected? Brr. Have you thought about that? Huh? You think your election's gonna fix everything? You really think your next vote's just gonna fix America? You think the fight's just going to end because your guy wins? Where's the hope? Where's the hope? If that don't make you cry and if that doesn't make you pray, if that don't make you intercede, if that don't make you travail, you're not saved. Why are we having laughing season in the church right now? There's not time to laugh. It's time to mourn. It's time to cry out to God. Hmm. The French writer said these words in 1831. I sought for the greatness of the United States. I looked in her harbors. I looked in her ample rivers. Her fertile fields and boundless forests. And her greatness was not there. I sought for it in her rich minds, her vast world commerce. I looked for it in her public school system, and it was not there. I looked for America's greatness in her institutions of higher learning, and the greatness was not there. I looked for her greatness in her Democratic Congress and her matchless constitution. And the greatness was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and her power and her greatness. Everybody in this church ought to be clapping your hands right now. The greatness of America is sitting next to you right now. The greatness of America is located on this property right here. America is great because America has great churches. And if America ever ceases to be great, it will never be good. Are y'all hearing me talk to you? The only hope for this nation Is the house of God. The only hope for this nation is pulpits that have fire standing behind them, not patting people on the back, but telling people, get right with God. Get your heart right with Jesus until that happens. You remove the church from this nation. You remove the influence from America. You remove the church from this country. And you remove the influence of God in this nation. And this nation will never be the same. The moment this church is taken out of here, the end will not come. The end will be. There's one saving grace for this nation and that saving grace is the church of Jesus Christ. You might not like him, but I love him. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Martin Luther King Jr. I love him. Why? Because he said these words, but the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity. It will forfeit the loyalty of millions, and it will be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning in the 20th century. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. The only hope for this nation is the house of the living God. I have about approximately six more pages of notes. Really, I just gave you the introduction to my message. But I will go ahead and skip six pages and get to the end. The church has always been the good of the land. The church has always been the good of the land. Why do we look so much like them? Why do we talk so much like them? The church has always been the good of the land. Good news. Good place. Good people. Church, why do you talk like everybody else on Facebook? Why is it hard to tell who's saved? Why is it hard to tell when you post if you are born again or not? It's getting quiet. And we're losing members and I'm happy. Why do you sound so much like them? Why do you act with so much bitterness and hatred in your heart? The end of this nation is now. I feel for you. Because you've put more faith in this country than you put in God Himself. Find the good in church. Stop posting bad things about the church. Stop posting bad things about pastors. All you're doing is accenting the assault. You're accenting the assault of the enemy. All you're doing is endorsing his accusations. How does it feel to work for Satan? Did God have a plan for America? Oh, yeah. Is America in the Bible, Pastor Rick? You're not going to find it. You're not going to find a scripture that says, and the United States of America was blessed by God. You're not going to find one scripture that uses the word America. I'm talking better than you talking back. There ain't nowhere in the Bible that America is mentioned. Sorry. The best thing we could ever do as a nation is twofold. We better stay very, very close to Israel. You better always be her ally. That's number one. And the second thing you better do is what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says. If my people, and I heard a preacher talking about that scripture yesterday, and he said these words. That scripture doesn't apply to everyone. That applies just to Israel. Because Solomon was building a temple, and he was praying specifically for that land. Well, let me help you. You have skipped over, Mr. Preacher, man. I hope you're listening to me today. You have skipped over the very principle that I have recited to you from Psalms and Proverbs today. By righteousness, a nation is exalted. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It doesn't say Israel, Mr. Preacher. It says nation. So if that's what it says, then let's believe what it says. And let's get off the land and on the people. Because the Bible says, if my... God's people is more than just Israel, my brother. We are blood-bought, sanctified, born-again, Holy Ghost-filled believers right here. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear them from heaven, and I will turn and heal their land. You ain't taking me out that scripture. I just find it interesting. I, Will you give me ten more minutes? I just find it interesting when you look at America. Did God have a plan for America? I I just throw something out there. You know what I mean? You know how weird I am. Y'all know that. I see stuff weird, just crazy stuff, you know? A horse wins the Kentucky Derby, and I find something prophetic about it. Just weird. So I heard a Native American, a chief of a tribe. Oh, I wish I knew his name, and I wish I knew the tribe. And he was profound when he talked about the United States of America because he says the United States of America is the tabernacle of God in the world. When he said that, it got my undivided attention. I said, hold on now. Wait just a minute. He said, don't you know Ellis Island is the gate? Don't you know Ellis Island is in the east? Don't you know the brazen altar is right inside that gate? Don't you know the brazen altar is for sacrifice where the Revolutionary War took place, where blood was shed? Don't you know if you go a little bit further that you'll find the laver of water, the Mississippi and the Missouri River running right down the center of a nation? Don't you know that just below that laver of water is the table of showbread that has 12 loaves? They represent the 12 states that raise wheat in this country and Oklahoma is one of them. Don't you know if you go a little further south that there is a candlestick that is filled with oil that is representative of Louisiana and Texas where more oil comes from than any other states in this entire union. Don't you know if you go another little further west, you run into Pikes Peak where they found gold right there and that is the golden altar of the tabernacle. Don't you know that if you go just a little bit further you have to run into the rocky mountains and that is the veil don't you know if you go one step further you're on the west coast in Los Angeles which means the city of angels and that's where the ark of the covenant is with two angels overlooking the mercy seat did God have a plan for America I don't know if that's an accurate description and I'm not here decreeing or declaring that I just said it's interesting nation is blessed not because we're so smart. This nation has been blessed not because we're so good. Matter of fact, our fault lines are really bad. Really bad. And now we're trying to correct things that happened centuries ago, decades ago. Blood is crying out from the ground and we're still killing babies. And you're screaming USA. Well, let me help you, Mr. Patriot. If you want to keep screaming that name and wearing them colors, how about you drop down on your knees and humble yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. Seek God's face. It's getting quiet now because I'm going to tell you, well, let me fix this. Not one breathing soul in this building is more USA than the man talking to you right now. I was raised to be a patriot. I was raised to bleed red, white, and blue. When the USA participates in anything, I'm screaming win. When we go to war, I scratch my head sometimes and wonder why. But I always pray we win. There's no one that's more American than me. I promise you, but I can promise you another thing. I am not more American than I am a sanctified blood believer. And the only thing that's holding this nation together is people like us. If you're with me, jump on your feet and clap your hands and give God praise for this nation. You're not really thanking God for your country. Come on, thank God for We're going to work this thing out. I just believe it. I believe we're going to get past this racism deal. I believe we're going to get over this. We're going to get healed. But it's not going to happen if you ignore it. And it's not going to happen if you don't pray about it. And it's not going to happen if you don't take action. So for those of you who have your mind on the decline. I just want to adjust you just for a minute. God, don't give up that easy. Tell your neighbor, God, don't give up that easy. It didn't take but one man named Abraham to save Sodom and Gomorrah. It didn't take Gideon 20,000. He had to get down to three hundred. You're saying we're decreasing in Christianity in this nation. You're right. And guess what? Jonathan had one armor bearer to defeat the Philistines. Samson needed one more push to enjoy his greatest victory. Daniel needed to be in a lion's den to shift an entire nation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to walk through a fiery furnace to convince an evil king. Elijah had to face the prophets of Baal by himself. Shammah had to stand in a field of beans and fight for his land until his hand claimed to a sword because it was his land. It didn't take but one Esther to walk into the room of a king with some oil and some perfume to save an entire nation. It didn't take but one little boy with a few fish and a few loaves to feed a multitude. It didn't take but two men in prison, Paul and Silas, to start singing praise to save a whole jailhouse. So before you give up on us too quick, you better look around because there's more than one Jonathan. There's more than one Samson. There's more than one Paul. There is more than one Peter. There is more. Open your eyes and realize greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. I want you to turn your volume up. I want you to lift your voice and give God praise if you are sanctified, blood-born, Holy Ghost-filled. Come out! Come out! Stand up, church. 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 Woo! Woo! Stop negotiating at the altar of compromise. Live by your conviction. Practice what you preach. Don't shake my hand and hug my neck and kill me at your lunch table. Preach, Pastor Rick. Don't be quoting scripture one day and killing people the next day. Live what you preach. Walk it out. Pray. Jesus said pray for those who persecute you. He didn't say persecute them back. He said pray for them. Bless them who despitefully use you. Help us Jesus. Father, I call for a church in the Bible belt of this nation called Quest Church to stand up. Bring them from the north, south, east, and west that belong to this family. That we can stand up for your right. Stand up for your way. Stand up for your word. And I thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed you say, Pastor Rick, I need to get right on to some stuff, man. My heart is just hard. I'm concerned. I feel insecure. I feel uncertain. I want you to come to this altar right now. Come on. You can be saved 15, 20 years and your heart be messed up. Come up here right now. And listen, it's easy to get disillusioned in this moment and in this time we're living in. You know how hard it is for Preachers. In America, to stand up and preach. You won't hear this. You know why? Preachers are scared they're going to offend people. They don't know what's right. They know they're scared to say certain stuff. Man, let me tell you something. The confidence you ought to have as a born-again believer ought to supersede any confidence you ever enjoyed in your entire life. If you're not right with God today, would you come up here? You know your heart is not right with God. You're not right with God. You want to get right with the Lord. Come on, my brother. Anyone else? Come on. Or if you feel disillusioned in this moment in our history, just come on. Just come on. Anyone else? Come on, clap those hands. Encourage those who are thinking about it. All right? Thank you, guys, for coming to this altar. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands right there. Everyone's going to pray with our brothers and sisters here. Pray after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me with an unconditional love. No matter what I've done, you are a God that forgives. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me. I ask you to come into my heart. Not just be my Savior, but be my Lord. I'm inviting you to be the final authority in my life. I thank you that today things change. Touch my heart and fill me with security again. Fill me with faith again. Not faith in anything else but you. In Jesus' name.